How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Welcome to another episode of Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. And joining today, as always, we have Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, you doing all right today, man? I'm doing just great. We've got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, how about you, man? He's muted. Yeah. I am good. I I am good now that I'm not muted. I, no, I go ahead. Pretty... Mute it again. We're it'll little. Uh... <laughs> oh, uh... man. Yeah, right. Oh, I tell you what, guys, it has been it's been a crazy week. Though that's this winter, I I just can't figure out what's gonna happen because not only have we had some beautiful upper 60s we're supposed to be in the upper 60s today again uh, but then we're supposed to hit get snow next week so it's it's been a roller coaster ride this winter it's a little definitely not been normal for us and uh uh it, it's kind of crazy richard's getting a little bit cooler up uh north of me but um it, it, it i'm enjoying it it's been beautiful no doubt about it so Hope uh, hope everybody has been doing well uh, this winter and getting 2024 off to an amazing start. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, bereanspirits at gmail.com. You can email us. You get some questions or thoughts. Uh, we'll be happy to address those. But today we're going to be talking about keeping our minds pure in an evil uh, world or society. Um, and it, it it's, <clears throat> it's not always as easy as he, as we would like for it to be. And I think one of the first things, um, you know, we, we talk about the word of God, obviously, uh, a lot. We talk about reading the word of God, but I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is prayer when it comes to this particular subject. And I think about Jesus when he went to the garden to pray and he comes about and the disciples were sleeping and, you know, could you not watch and pray with me? And, um, you know, he even tells Peter at one point, you know, pray that you fall not into temptation. And, and it just goes to show the power that prayer has to not only refocus us on God, upon His Word, but upon things that are good and pure and righteous and holy, and and not be so focused upon the things of this world and not rely upon ourselves, but relying upon God. I mean, prayer is one of the most humble things that we can do uh, in and of itself. And so uh, I think prayer is probably one of the, the biggest things that I think we could practice more and and as much as we know we need to pray i think it's one of those things that we find ourselves occasionally slipping and not praying like we should um but uh prayer is definitely one of those things that comes to my mind first and foremost so 
Richard, do you have, is there something along those lines that, uh, that you think about, or what do you think about when it comes to prayer in this particular subject? Well, I think prayer is one of the things that we need to be doing. I think the first and foremost is, and I, I think me and, and many others miss this is the necessity to be pure of heart. Uh, because if we were, if we really understood that uh, our righteousness is, uh, you know, it's it starts in the heart, then we would be guarding our hearts more. And I, I don't see that, at least in my own life, I don't see it as much. But uh, I, I'm safe to think I, there's others that I've witnessed. I don't think they do as, as either. And, and all too often, I think we compare ourselves with ourselves instead of comparing ourselves with Jesus Christ. And you know, we really need, there needs to be an emphasis on each and every Christian to start looking to Jesus instead of looking at each other and saying, well, I'm content spiritually because I'm better than Josh. And and I'm saying that as an example, Josh, but... Um, Everybody uh, knows it's not true. So yeah. you no, no. But, I, I, actually, I think that's that. That I love that point because it, it, recognizing the need, right? If we don't recognize the need, then why would we work on it? Exactly, and then all too often we are not working on it. Yeah, and that's that's the the point that uh, I think we miss. I mean, if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, what did Jesus say about the pure in heart? You know, they would be the ones who see God. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. And so when we start thinking about being pure of heart, we have to see that this is something that the Lord, you know, he, he doesn't just want our actions to be dictated by him. He wants our thoughts to be taken captive, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Uh, our thoughts had to be taken captive to obey Christ, is what the, the scripture reads. And so we have to understand then that since we have been bought with a price, we have to take our thoughts and uh, and guard those because they have to be a reflection of our obedience to Jesus. Now, if we start lusting uh, for things that we shouldn't, which is, you know, that's what happens, then, uh, you know, what's the end result? Sin's going to take place. And, and so there has to be a recognition on each and every Christian, the necessity of having a pure heart. I mean, that was something David prayed for after he had sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan had visited in him and, and told him, you are the man. That was one of the things that David prayed for was, you know, Lord, you know, give me this pure heart. He saw the necessity of it. He saw what happened when he didn't have it, and it made his life a mess. And so if we don't want to be caught up in sin, uh, yes, prayer is something, we, that's one of the things we need to be doing. But first and foremost is we need to start seeing that uh, a pure heart is necessary in order to be pleasing to God, because you're not going to go to heaven unless uh, you start transforming your mind, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. You have to change your thoughts. And so you can't be thinking about enjoying sin as long as you don't partake in it. No, that's wrong. You got to, you have to bring those thoughts, you know, to where you're not thinking 
about partaking in sin. You're not wanting to partake in sin. And, and that, I'll tell you right now, that's a trick. Now, if you want to, if you want to, this is what separates Jesus Christ from the rest of us. When you think that Jesus did not sin with his mind, for me, that's like, he had to be the son of God. I mean, that's just yeah. amazing that anybody could do something like that. But then he's turned around and he says, you got to do it. You got to do this. And uh, it does seem like a tall order and it does seem hard. But when we recognize that this is a work of God, then uh, all things are possible, right? He yeah. can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it brings to mind so many things. I mean, just a flood of things have, have hit me. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, talking about the heart, having your heart sprinkled and, and, and being cleansed and, and, and basically, you know, working on the heart. Right. Uh, and again, we do that, you know, first of all, because we would have to recognize the need to do that. And, uh, Matthew chapter 15, seven through nine, the, the hypocrites that Isaiah prophesied about, you know, honor me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. And so, you know, getting our, you know, recognizing the need to get our heart right. Um, you know, that Josh, I mean, it, it, I mean, what, you know, what else can you say? Because without the need, right, we don't work on it. So you definitely have to recognize that. Absolutely. And uh, I could go on and on and on on this topic. I've got a whole lot of thoughts and a whole lot I, I can say about it. Um, <clears throat> but it, it boils down to our hearts, uh, as y'all have been alluding to. And prayer is, is important, uh, making sure that we keep in communication with God, as y'all have already pointed out. But there has to be action on our part, uh, and I'll, I'll even say some safeguards that are put in place on our part uh, to keep us from sin. Uh, you think about <clears throat> Proverbs 4 and verse 23, where it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. You know, he's, he's saying put a guard around your heart because it is your life. And I actually have a, a sermon that I did on this very passage, and I, I'd highly recommend uh, that you go and check it out. It's on the uh, YouTube channel, um, The Transforming Word, and it is uh, called Keep Your Heart With All Diligence, I believe is what it's called. Um, I, I think there's a lot of valuable information there. Um, not That's not just a shameless plug for myself, but it is. Uh, <laughs> um, I, there's some really <laughs> valuable ideas in there uh, not mine you know from the word of god obviously um but if we just kind of break down that verse for a second guard your heart why what do we place a guard over you don't put lock and key on your garbage can do you because it's not valuable. It's refuse. It's garbage. You don't want it. You're throwing it away. You're getting rid of it because it is useless to you. What do you keep under lock and key? Things that are of immense value. Your jewelry, your gun collection, um, your, your, your 
important documents, things like that. You keep those secured because they are immensely valuable. And what the Bible is telling us is that you keep your heart, you guard your heart because it is of immense value. And you look at the end of the verse there, for from it flows the springs of life. You've heard the expression, somebody says, I want you to guard this with your life. That's essentially what the proverb is saying is guard your heart with your life. Why? Because it is your life. It is everything that you are and everything that you're about stems from the the inner the inward man from your heart and so we need to place that safeguard around it to ensure that we keep it pure and, and there's a lot of ways in which we can do that and and I, I think we'll be getting into that as we go throughout this study but I think about Colossians chapter 3 as far as one thing is concerned I think Chris alluded to this at the very beginning here but in verse 1 uh, and, and I like to look at the um, the book of, or the third chapter of Colossians, kind of like a roadmap uh, for the Christian. He begins in chapter one by talking about us being um, walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling. And I forget the exact terminology that he uses there in verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, and so in, in chapter three, he begins, I think, to describe what walking worthy of the Lord is practically going to look like. And he begins by saying, if you have been raised up with Christ, when, which is, um, you know, back to chapter two with the, the circumcision made without hands, the baptism. He says, keep seeking the things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things that are on the earth. Change your focus is what he's talking about. And, and I want to, to challenge those who are listening uh, to take a moment and reflect upon your own mind. What is dominating your thinking? Is it spiritual things or is it worldly things? And I'm not talking about while you're at work, while you're focused on doing the job that you have been given to do. When you're not working, when your time is your own, what is dominating your thoughts? Is it worldly things or is it spiritual things? And that's going to go a long way in determining what kind of life you're going to be living, how, how free from evil your mind is going to be. And I want to point out that that doesn't inherently mean that you're automatically thinking on things that are sinful. You just be thinking on things that are worldly in general. And if that's dominating your thoughts, you're not going to be a very spiritual person. And so it starts with, as, as Richard pointed out, taking your mind captive and, and setting your mind on spiritual things and focusing your heart upon spiritual things, renewing your identity as a child of God. I belong to the king. I have crucified my flesh, as Paul says in Galatians 2, and my life is now belonging to God. My life is lived for Christ, and he lives in me. And so if we start there... And I think that's going to go a long way in helping us to uh, keep our minds pure from the evil in the world around us as we set our focus and our hearts and our minds upon spiritual things. It, it, it goes to the idea of surrounding ourselves, right, with certain things. If we surround ourselves with the world, which, I mean, it's it's all around us. I get that point. But 
when when we allow those things in and uh, and rather than set up those guards that you pointed out it becomes more difficult and i think about lot right when abraham and lot split up and and abraham told lot you choose which way you go and i'll go the opposite and you know he looked at what you know was pleasing to the eye he he looked at what he thought was the best he went that direction and he he ended up getting further and further into a corrupt and and impure society of Sodom and Gomorrah and when it while he was still found righteous when you think about uh when he went to his family and he was telling them we need to flee we need to get out of here um his wife and daughters began to leave with him but there were two who were a part of his family that did not go in fact they laughed at him when he gave them the warning, and that was his son-in-laws. Now, you think about it, and Richard, I don't know if, if, if this is something you've thought about or you've looked at, you have thoughts on, but why would they laugh at him when he gives this warning? In part, I think it's because he's been surrounded by them so long, and, and this this may be something new that, you know, you know why, why are you just now bringing this up? Why are we just now you know, hearing about this, is this some kind of joke? Because he surrounded himself by the world in such a way that it, it, it he wasn't necessarily seen by them as being much different from them. Uh, that, that, may be. that may be, but his righteous soul was vexed, according to the scriptures. So, yeah, uh, when he was living amongst them, so I'm sure that they're. You know, he, he, that's true. Yeah. He had, yeah. I, he was a preacher of righteousness. Um, I, I kind of look at, uh, going back, you know, to what, uh, both of you are saying, but, uh, get back to what Josh, um, you know, 15, first Corinthians 15, 33 talks about those evil companions and how they can corrupt you. And, uh, and we have different, you know, scriptures that, uh, well, first Corinthians five, you know, it talks to the church about how a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And when it was talking about the man who, uh, had his father's wife, um, you know, when, when you consider what James says about sin, you know, sin originates with lust. Uh, and so our thoughts are incredibly important. So drawing back on what Josh said about guarding our thoughts you know, we have to see there is a need for it because we're not going to be righteous if we don't guard those thoughts. Now, part of, I think what Chris is getting into, part of guarding our thoughts is to be careful of those companions. And uh, Lot was one who, uh, you know, I, I think he was looking at the good grass is why he chose that path. But uh it it was uh, a good grass to for you know for his cattle, but needless to say, there was a sinful city down there, and uh, one would have to be pretty. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word would be uh, obtuse to think that they're not going to be influenced by that, and yet that is the danger that I see Christians have. And obtuse is a good word. You know, we get on our phones. And we get on social media and, and we're on Facebook and Twitter and all these things. 
and I've done it too. I got it. I mean, I work on it. So these, this very broadcast is being, you know, put out on those means, uh, those, those mediums. And so I understand that, but we also understand that there is a lot of evil that takes place online. I mean, there is pornography that's on Twitter. There's pornography on Facebook. Uh, these things just get thrown out in front of you and you can click off of it, but you're still going to see it. And so, you know, you come away seeing, you know what, you know, I'd really want to use this to get the, you know, the message out. Yes. But then you got to sit back and say, do I really need a big diet of this? Do I really need to be on this for a long period of time? Because if you are on it for a long period of time, you know, are you guarding your heart? I mean, I'm just saying that's, you know, you got to be careful about evil companions. Companions can be more than just people. Companions can be books. They can be TV shows. They can be music. This is, you know, our young people are listening to music with uh, even just horrible lyrics. Some of that Taylor Swift stuff has very bad lyrics, but yet we have our Christian youth who are listening to this music and then no doubt the, the beats good. I mean, you know, I can understand that, but is it a good companion for one who is trying to bring their thoughts captive? And, uh, you know, I have a hard time seeing that. And so that's why I think we need to be, you know, really careful about uh, uh, this topic because I don't think a lot of people have, have have really saw the necessity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you're going to sin if you don't change your mind about sin, you're going to end up doing that very thing. And uh, as the Bible says, you can't take a little fire into your bosom and not burn your, burn yourself. And, and, uh, the illustration is that, uh, you can't be thinking about sin and, and not sin, you're, you're corrupting. Uh, and, and not only that, another thought is, you know, you're, you're, you've been bought. Uh, even your thoughts have been bought. And so when you're thinking about something that's corrupt, you, you know, you're, you're thinking about something you don't have the authority to think about. And so, you know, that is something that we really need to work harder toward. And that is to, uh, uh, transforming our mind as Romans 12 talks about one and two. And, and I want to go to the point and, uh, not dogging on, um, uh, Taylor Swift by any means, but at the same time, you know, you bring up, you know, some of that and those are, and people would think that's some of the most tame of everything else that's out there. And, and my point is this, what are we comparing things to, right? We, we look at how bad, and how terrible certain things are. And then we think, well, that's not as bad, but yet where's the word of God when it comes into these things? Where is the purity of Christ when it comes into these things? Rather than comparing our you know, uh, worldly things with other worldly things, focusing upon God. Philippians chapter four, verses six through eight, and it, it, there talks about what we should think about. Think on these things, he says. And he talks about what is pure, what is holy, right? What, what is righteous? 
Are we thinking on those things? Are we filling ourselves and our mind with those things? Because too often we try to just add those things to everything else that we think about. And instead, and I think this is part of what Richard's point is, is replacing those things of the world with the things of God. Yeah, right. No, don't just try to add Christ to your life, you know, but rather change your life to where it reflects Christ and in in our thoughts as well, as much as anything else, because ultimately what we are thinking of that that's going to be manifest in our life. Can I give an example of that? Yeah. You know, in many places, and it's happened to Carney too. I mean, there are churches that have cut back on when they assemble. And uh, if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, you know, one of the things that takes place when we assemble 24 and 25 is that, you know, we consider, we get together to consider how to provoke each other to love and good works. Now, you know, you're talking about assembly, and that means you got companions there. And, you know, there, nothing bad should be happening in that church. And so, you know, when we're thinking about ways which we can guard ourselves, I would think going to church would be one way in which we can help guard our thoughts because there's going to be people there that are trying to do the same thing while, while we're there, and it's a reminder to us you know, that, you know, this is something that needs to be taking place outside the assembly, but at least, you know, we have that. And, uh, and, and that's just, you know, an example of, of what we should be doing with our thoughts and, and replacing, taking action by, you know, replacing certain things with others. If, if we have evil companions, then we're not going to bring our thoughts in captive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Josh, I mean, we're even told Romans chapter 12, prefer one another, right? I mean, that's yeah. surrounding ourselves by, uh, by brethren, those of like precious faith, both in the assembly and in our everyday lives. Right. Exactly. And, and I want to come back to lot for a second. Um, the, the scripture tells us that lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, you know, I, I know the Bible says that he was righteous and his soul was oppressed at the sensual conduct of the world around him. But at the end of the day, Saul or Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, but at what cost? Mm -hmm. Maybe he was able to maintain his righteousness in the midst of that 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 kind of environment but he lost his wife he lost his children as a result of it as a result of the conduct around him is that worth it and and i, I want to come back to first corinthians 15 for a moment uh, that richard mentioned earlier when he says evil company corrupts good habits or good morals where is the exception to that verse if we go back to that that section, uh, you know, where does Paul say bad company corrupts good morals if you've not been strong or if you've not, you know, been been reading the Bible as you ought or if you haven't been praying as you ought? Bad company. 
there is no exception to that. It will happen. And I think the, the problem is, is too many Christians tend to pitch their tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah and expect that nothing bad is going to happen as a result of it. You're lying to yourself. When you say that it's not going to bother me or it's not going to affect me, I'll watch those movies with immorality. I'll be around these immoral people. I'll, I'll, I'll spend my time with the world and it's not going to affect me. That is a lie that the devil is telling you to try and lure you away from God. It will happen. I promise you it will happen. And, and I know, you know, you're like, Josh, you need to be more positive. I'm positive that it will take you away from the Lord. And, and that's why this is not thing, something that we can trifle with, because going back to that Proverbs 23, it is your life. Your entire life flows from your heart. And so that's so important that we guard it and that we stay away as best we can uh, from the world around us and make sure that we are not being overtaken by the world. Uh, suppose that we had a 55-gallon drum of water and you had some poison and you took a tiny little drop of poison and dropped it in that bucket, that, that drum of water. I mean, you could stir that up. And, and if you think about the idea of parts per million, how many parts per million is that uh, of that poison is within that bucket of water? If that's low enough, especially enough water with a, a little amount of poison, you could probably, that would probably be safe to drink. Please don't try that. I don't want to be, uh, you know, responsible for anybody, you know, and getting killed or something. But, you know, it's so diluted by the water that it's probably safe. But the more poison you drop into that drum of water, the deadlier it becomes. The more concentrated it will become. The higher concentration it will become. And the deadlier it will become. And we think, I'm strong and the world is not going to affect me. You're just dropping poison into that bucket and it's becoming deadlier and deadlier and deadlier and it will overtake you. I promise you, it will overtake you. And that's why it's so crucial uh, that we fill our hearts and minds with the Word of God. We spend our time with godly people. I've heard it said before that you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. Are those Christians? If they're not, if they're not encouraging you to greater faithfulness, to, to, to love and serve the Lord, you're not going to be as spiritual as you need to be. It's just not going to happen. And so we need to, that's why, you know, as was written to the Hebrews, as we've already pointed out, that they in consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works. You're discouraged to the point of turning away from the Lord, and what you need is to spend time with Christians who will lift you up and build you up and strengthen you. That's the only way that we're going to be able to stand firm against the, the wiles of the devil, as Paul says, and, and to keep ourselves strong and keep ourselves pure in the midst of, of this world. I am going to go ahead and link, send a link to that sermon that I mentioned earlier. Um, not that you know, it's not you know anything special because of me. I just think there's a lot of good 
um, true uh, the truth of God is is there that I hope you can uh, take a moment to listen to and hopefully it can be of help to you as you um, sure consider these things. You know, it, a lot of times we we talk about this subject and people automatically turn to uh, the idea that, oh, you're telling me I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to stay away from this. I'm supposed to stay away from that. <clears throat> and if you really have paid attention already in a very short period of time, we've talked more about what you can do as opposed to what you should not do. It, well, yes, we brought up some things you shouldn't do, but think about the idea of prayer, the idea of Bible study, the idea of uh, of of spending time with brethren, uh, with those of like precious faith, surrounding yourself with uh, those who are trying to help you in that respect, assembling with the saints. Um, you know, all of these things so far that we've we've looked at and talked about that help us and and thinking about what is pure and what is holy. And you wonder, well, how do I know what that is? Again, it goes back to getting into reading the Bible, reading the Word of God, studying the life of Christ Himself and how He lived, and and, and applying those things in your own life, right? There, there's so many things that we can do that we can focus on and and then, of course, not just sitting back and being quiet and think, well, they'll see my example. We need to be vocal about our life, our faith, and what we do. We can't just sit back and think, you know, everyone else is talking. Everyone else is being bold about the things of this world. And, and you know, well, they, they've got our example. They see what we're doing. That goes to the point that Josh is making where we think, uh, that they won't influence us. Well, listen, what about doing your best to influence them, not just by example, but with your words as well, and opposing the error, opposing the impure and <clears throat> and sinful behavior that is around you, uh, and speaking out against it. Too often we try to be quiet and we need to be more vocal in those things. If I could add. Well, can I, we, we really need to get these comments in. Sure. Uh, we got some, some people, uh, P preacher Riley. He says it's like for the men of God, we must not only have to the will of God, but we must also have the will of God in thought. Uh, he goes on. He says the men of God must do his will. Not only the will, but keep his will in our hearts. Hebrews 8.10, very good. Uh, Chris is with us again. And he says the men of God must do his will, and not only the will, but to keep his will in our hearts. Oh, wait a minute, I didn't get it up there. Our closest companions on earth uh, should be the people we expect to be in heaven with, <laughs> you would think. And then uh, he asked a question. He says, how do we encourage people? to keep active and growing and gaining knowledge of the word when they are not at church. And, um, you know, one thing, uh, I'll just say, you know, all you can do is show them what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, one of the things that, uh, really hit me is, uh, where is that? 
uh, when Paul and Silas, Acts 16, Paul and Silas were in prison. You know, prison is one of the worst places anybody can go to, I would think, in an environment you can be in. And uh, what were they doing to protect their minds? They were singing. Uh, and, and you know, the prisoners were listening to them, but they, they were singing. And so, you know, that's just one thing. But, uh, you know, brethren need to be encouraged to look to the Bible, first of all, and then uh, secondly, do those things that we see in the scriptures that uh, sound brethren did to help protect their minds. All right, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. Um, to what, uh, I mean, I, I was thinking about what Chris had said, you know, people might get the mindset that we're trying to say, well, you can't do this and you can't do this and you need to stay away from this and you stay away from that. You know, I've heard the illustration of a man who had two sons and this man was an alcoholic and one son grows up and he's an alcoholic and they ask him what happened. He says, well, I watched my dad and the other one grows up to be an alcoholic and he's or grows up to abstain from alcohol entirely. And his idea is, well, I watched my dad. And and the point is, the, the man who abstains from alcohol associates that with all the negative behaviors that he witnessed from his father. Whether it's the, the abuse, whether it's the, you know, whatever it might be, the things that he saw in his father, he said, I want nothing to do with that. And, and so I'm going to steer clear of alcohol. And what we need to do is develop a mindset where we start to associate the things of this world with Satan. That's of the devil. That is of the devil. That's associated with him and his darkness and his wickedness. And that would should help us to want nothing to do with it as well. When we have that perspective, it's not going to be appealing to us. You think about that, that uh, verse in Proverbs. I believe it's... Um, uh, Proverbs 29, is that where it is? Where it talks about the wine. And it says, do not look at it while it sparkles in the cup. Do not look at it and, and think it's something appealing and, and something that is you know, nice and cool and good. But recognize the destruction that it brings. And if we can start to see through the facade that Satan is painting for us to see the destruction that it brings, to see that it is associated with Satan and, and death and destruction, then that can help us to want nothing to do with those things and to then you know, focus our hearts and minds upon things that are, are pure and good and, and right. So you're saying we need, we need to discipline ourselves to walk by faith. Because that would it be may a not, good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Uh, it's, you're just going to have to trust what the Bible says about it, and then discipline yourselves to obey it. Mm -hmm. You know, to to not think about those things, and um, you know that's that's about the only way you can think of. And, I, and, we, and we have different examples, like I said in the scriptures, of people doing things to help guard their mind. Prayer. Chris brought up prayer right there in the beginning. And, uh, and that, you know, we can't overlook that. We talked about assembling, uh, you know, we talked about singing, uh, these types of things that, uh, that we can be doing, but, uh, you're going to have to believe 
what the scriptures teach about keeping your mind pure, and then you're going to have to have the discipline to act on what the Bible teaches. And yeah, that's not uh, that's not easy, but um, yeah. it can be done. Second Jesus, John chapter Jesus two proved it. Or first, first John chapter two. So I messed up there. First John chapter two, verse one uh, says, these things are written that you might not sin. Well, you know, if we're not actively in the word of God, that what is written doesn't help us to keep from sin. Right. So we've, we've got to get in and find out what it says and, um, and then make those applications in our life. Yeah. 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 I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta be able to, uh, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember the Hebrew scripture where it talks about the word of God and how it, uh, 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 oh, 412. Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And then it says this, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, you know, if we don't go to the word of God, then we're not going to know what is an evil thought and what is a good righteous thought. Uh, it's the word of God that's going to tell us those things we shouldn't be uh, thinking about. And so, yeah, Chris, I agree. We need to, uh, you need to go to the, you got to go to the word. And that's, you know, for, for Chris's uh, uh, example that he wrote in, asked, he asked that question about, you know, that's all you can do with others is to show them the word. Uh, he has something else to say here. He goes, uh, Proverbs 23, 31 through 35, do not look on the, oh, he just, he's just given this, the scripture that yeah. uh, Josh had brought up. Okay. Yeah. 23, yeah. not 29. I was close. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Right book. Exactly. I was, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Within six. He was, in the, he was in the Bible. <laughs> There you go. There you go. That's right. Bible there. Oh man. Well, you know, with all of these things that we've that we've looked at, that we've talked about so far, um, it's gonna come down to first of all, what Richard brought up, which I think is <clears throat> one of the most essential points is recognizing our need. But the next point is wanting to take care of that need, wanting to fix the issue, wanting to be pure and holy and right, right? You've got to have the want to, um, if you're really going to work on it. And, and that's something that, um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, you know, you can point out someone, a need that someone has, but there are those that don't care. There are those around us that, you know, cause you can't do it for them, right? They've got to make that choice. They've got to make that decision just as we have to make the choice, the decision uh, to work on ourselves. And we have to be vocal about it. And and we need to be humble in ourselves um, and uh, with those around us to, you know, acknowledge and recognize that we weren't perfect. We're not perfect. We're working on things. And, and we know the source of which uh, that help comes. And it's through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Josh, Gosh. any any last thoughts? 
I guess I can uh, just go to, to Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, where Paul says that we are to present our bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, pleasing to God. It's about surrendering ourselves to do the will of God. And, and it's not just that we are saying, well, I'd rather do this, but God says I have to do this, so I'm just going to do what God says. What we need to do, there, there's the song, Prince of Peace, Control My Will. One of the verses says, let thy will, not mine, be done. Let thy will and mine be one. That's the goal that we're seeking to achieve. That's part of the presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're allowing our will to become one with God's will. And it's not just you know, that, that I have two conflicting wills and I'm just going to choose to do God's will. I'm surrendering myself so that my will can align with God's will. And then that's going to result in not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That living sacrifice, that transformation all starts with the mind, with our hearts. And that's why it's so important that we keep our hearts and minds pure uh, from this evil world so that we can live that life that has been transformed by the, the blood of Christ. Richard, last thoughts. Yeah. You know, it just came to me when you went to Josh, but I was thinking about uh, Noah and how the Lord, and I looked it up. It's six, five Genesis six, five. It says the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted in verse six that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So when we're talking about the necessity of taking care of our thoughts, go back to uh, Noah and uh, look at the example of the Lord destroying the world by flood. And that should be a pretty good emphasis to all of us that uh, we better be taking this responsibility serious. Yeah, I, you know, it, it hit me <clears throat> as you were reading that when when our thoughts are not pure, are not holy, are not righteous, it, it grieves God's heart. Yeah, you know, I mean that that uh, that can be a motivator in and of itself, right there. <clears throat> Folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to Berean Spirits. Hope we've given you some things to think about. And, uh, and that they are pure, holy, righteous, and good. Think on these things, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and, uh, and your life will be better for it. Uh, and if you have any other questions for us, shoot us an email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. Tune in every Thursday as we get on the social media and uh, have these discussions. Until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.